Kansas City's talk show for throttle junkies, motorheads, and anyone who loves rocking the driver's seat. From barn fresh to concour ready, Road Muscle Radio parks the latest news and the biggest names in rolling thunder right in your ears. Let's welcome your show hosts, 30-plus year radio veteran, author, playwright, lousy karaoke singer, and lover of fat and freaky American classic cars, Mark Catfish Groves, and freelance automotive journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield. Let's put the pedal to the metal. Road Road Muscle Muscle Radio is on the air. Welcome back. Buckle up, then be sure to check out Road Muscle Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and at RoadMuscleRadio.com for links, our blog, any events, if we can find them, which, by the way, season's starting to perk up a little. Yee. I've, been, I've been watching <laughs> Facebook left and right. It's like, oh, my God. Oh, hey, this one's back. Oh, this one. Uh, so I got to get busy. Uh, also, you can find uh, our podcast. I'm Catfish Groves. I'm Brett Hatfield, I think. I know, man. COVID, brain cloud. It's, oh. it's, this is the strangest thing being home this long. There, there are days I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, who am I? Oh, yeah, that's right. I got this. Really, really tired of the head fog. Coming up this show, we're going to talk around the walk around you should do when you take your ride out of the mothballs, if you haven't already. Plus a a Mustang upgrade that gets you bullet worthy. Mm -hmm. A latest speeder of the week. And oh boy, did they speed. And and then in segment two, we'll talk to the owner of an amazing pony pedigree. The first Mustang ever bought. Now, hint, it's a one owner car. They still have it. They still have it. They still have it. They're the nicest people in the world. So we're going to be talking about that all coming up in this episode of uh, Road Muscle Radio. Now, as uh, as time has passed by, I am still on my hunt. Uh, Of course, (laughs) I I did exactly what we talked about me doing, right? Waited too long. Cars disappeared. I did make – you'll be proud of me, though. I did make a, uh, a, a possible offer to a guy. Uh, down oh, cool. in uh, down in Fort Worth. Does he does he live in this country? Uh, well, Texas is its own country, which I kind of like. <laughs> Texas was the only place I've ever lived where even the homeless people in boxes underneath the bridges were like, "Yeah, but I'm from Texas." I'm like, "Damn, <laughs> that's all right, man. That's a that's a good civic pride." Uh, and I, that's that's some pretty deep pride there, baby. I am down with the attitude, but uh, talk to yeah this fellow in Fort Worth and. Uh, yeah, he kind of laughed at me a little bit, made a little fun of my offer. It was, it, it was, it was close ish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, I'll just kind of wait him out. The way I figure it is, okay, I really like the car, et cetera, but I can't, I can't see it run. I haven't test driven it. And I've gotten excited about vehicles like that before. And then I went to see them like, damn, girl, you do uh-huh. not look like the picture that I swiped on. And, uh-huh. uh, and I'm just, I'm not going to let myself kind of get my panties in a wad about it. I'm just, yeah. Well, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, and it's not the only one that's out there. It's just it looked really, really nice, and it had every, I don't, everything I, I wanted. I, <laughs> I know it seems repetitive, and like I'm beating a dead horse with a jackhammer, but I'm never ever not going to bring up. Oh, hey, those brakes seem to put us in the line of a semi. <laughs> Holy crap, Amoli! I'm looking at the car with you. I'm thinking this isn't so bad. This looks pretty good. It's got all this power stuff. Most stuff it works. It's not got a lot of rod in it. 
it, you know, it needs to tune up, but okay, let's take it for a drive. And then you stabbed the brakes the first time and I saw God. <laughs> well, that's why it was called a park lane because you park in the oncoming lane. And uh, No kidding. Yeah, that, no was, kidding. that was some exciting. Now, you, on the oh. other hand, have found something that actually looks a, oh, a little bit yeah, better. Well, you know, if you leave me alone long enough, I'll do something really <laughs> dumb on my own. And uh, I, I fulfilled that this afternoon. I went and looked at, uh, well, something with fewer than four wheels. I went and looked at another Harley. Oh, oh, because yeah. God knows what I need is multiple Harleys. Well, you know, who doesn't, uh, right? It, would, it won't be the first American time dream. or the last. <laughs> uh, in 1993, Harley started making a, a line of bikes. They had been making Harley soft tail heritages for a while, but they made a heritage nostalgia. And for 93, 4, 5, and 6, they made a different nostalgia every year. But the first year they made them, they made very few of them. And they made it one that is a, a black and white uh, fenders tank and, uh, and, you know, front and rear fenders. But the seats have a strip of Holstein cow skin with hair through them, up the middle, up the seat, up the passenger seat, backrest, and on the saddlebags. <laughs> and no kidding, they're, they're known colloquially as Moo Glides. Oh, my gosh. Moo Glide. Nice. And we went and looked at it, and the price was really good, and the bike's in pretty good shape, and I like it a lot. And my wife, the world's best enabler, as soon as I get back in the car, <laughs> she, she takes one look at me and says, buy it. Oh, my God. Keep, that's uh -huh. a keeper. I can never use her for the excuse for, you know, I can't do this because my wife says. My me. wife always yeah. says, no, buy it. It'll be fun. <laughs> uh, and on the way home, we're kind of talking. She says, that thing's got to have a personalized tag on it. And I said, well... Yeah, I guess. What would you put on it? I said, moving, M-O-O-V-N. Uh, there you go. Uh, nice. Uh, I'm so I'm so creative. Yeah. We did do something car-related this week. Oh. Uh, this weekend, our good friend Ped Watt and I uh, went on a cruise with a bunch of other exotics and classics past a kid's house for the kid's birthday. The kid nice. loves cars. Nice. And couldn't, you know, because of all the virus stuff, couldn't have a birthday. And the kid was standing at the fence, and we had this terrific couple-mile-long parade of exotics and classic cars that drove by the kid's house. And the kid just seemed ecstatic. So that was really, really cool and fun to do. And, if you you know, we haven't been able to have real cruises and shows and cars and coffee. That's as close as I've gotten, and I couldn't believe how much I've missed it. Well, if you were taking a car out for the first time, like here in the real near future, say you were going to go on a cruise like that, you're probably going to want to check it out. Uh, pretty well. There's a an article in Haggerty.com for the 11 checks to make before your first springtime drive. Now, we're getting pretty late into springtime, but let's be honest, this is COVID spring. So getting out in your vehicle hasn't exactly been top priority for a lot of us. And if you're just going to get it rolling out, they came out with these um, really good ideas. A few of them I hadn't really thought of, and I think it's been a quite some time since we've gone over these. Now, first off, you're going to want the obvious. Look at your tires. Uh, you know, are, do they, are they still up? If they need some air, you add it. And then you wait, and you see what they do. you got to listen for any kind of hiss, because if they've gone down a little bit, that means something was leaking a little bit. Tires do this, mind you. But if they've gone down especially a lot, or one of them's flat, nah, man. You got to air that up. Then you got to listen. You got to check. Give it some time. Don't just air them up and go, hey, I'm going to hit the road. Because uh, that one <laughs> might just blow out on you. If it was flat already, check the pressure. And then then if it looks good and they've been staying up for a little while, 
uh, take it out for a little spin and also probably check for any kind of, especially if it sat for a while, let's say a couple of years, you got to check that flattening. Cause God, I, I've uh, test driven how many cars that have sat for too long and that thunk, 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 oh, thunk, thunk of those tires. Cause they've just flattened <laughs> out a little bit. Well, yeah. Flintstone tires. Oh, and one of the, uh, one of the other things they pointed out too, is you may have tires that are great because you only drive the car, you know, once every three weekends and you, you don't put many miles on it, but you got to take a look at the sides of the tires too, for cracks, uh, for anything that, that it's just, they get old. It's rubber and it gets old. Well, and radial tires have date codes on them. Check the date. They might if be overripe. Five or six. If it's more than five or six years old, you may want to consider throwing some new shoes on that girl. <laughs> you might want to think about that because, boy, when they start throwing treads, it's not a pretty mm-hmm. picture. Next thing to check is your battery, which I, uh, uh, I'm an idiot. Of course, I haven't had one to park in a uh, garage yet, so we'll uh, we'll see how smart I get in the future. But uh, when it comes to your batteries. Check you. One of the things you should have done if you stored it over the winter, if you stored the car over the winter, is uh, you know take the take the negative off. I didn't think about actually unhooking the battery. You either take the negative off, or if you have electricity available, there's little trickle chargers apparently mm-hmm. that I didn't know about. And you hook one of those up, it saves your battery. Who knew that letting your battery go completely 100 percent as God is my witness dead really isn't good for it? No. So you put the trickle on. Maybe if you got that or take that uh, negative term, uh, battery terminal off, um, you're probably going to have a problem if you haven't done this. Then they talk about taking a multimeter, multimeter, and you do multimeter. this and that to it. And they've got all kinds of things. So if you go to Haggerty and look this up, you can figure that out. I'm not going to go into it because I don't have one. You know, I, I'm from that kind of old school. <laughs> as, as long You take something, you tap it, and if it sparks, <laughs> the battery's good. Um if there, but it You're does talk about checking your nine volts by sticking them to your tongue, aren't you? Hell yeah! You know, and it's funny because my wife is like, <laughs> "No, I'm not doing that." I had under one the other day because we were doing one of the uh, the, the smoke alarms, and she's like, "Yeah, is this good?" Oh, stick it on your tongue, and she gave me a look. I'm like, "Uh, you're not that stupid, huh?" Give me the battery. <laughs> Let me show you my stick. I will do this for you. And uh, yeah, the battery is good, by the way. <laughs> so um, it, it's like if every uh, if you got a 0.2 volt drop every time it kind of changes. You're losing 25% of your cranking power, power yada, yada. And uh, and then, okay, that's a battery. Check your fluids, obviously, oil, coolant, brake fluids. Now you're, you know, if, you're, if you've gone four or five months, your oil might have gotten a little dark because it ages. But, you know, just make sure it's, it's up to levels and you can go get it changed pretty quick. And one of, you know, one of the things that I do, I actually do this. It's almost smart on my part. Like when I go look at old cars is I always, one, I check to see if the motor's warm or not, if they've warmed it up before I've got there. Cause I want to see what it, you know, cranks like cold. And then I always pop that radiator cap before we take a drive. Cause I want to see if there's any pretty rainbows up on top, meaning that oil might've <laughs> gotten into the coolant. Cause then uh, you're talking about uh, uh, bigger issues on hand. So you check your uh, check your fluids, your oil, ch- your oil, your radiator, and uh, also check your transmission fluid just in case. Check the levels. Now fluids on the outside. You start looking around. All look under the car, look around the car, look on different parts of it. See if anything's dripped. What color is what? What's dripped? You're probably going to have some horsepower sweat if it's old enough. A little bit of oil here and there. 
But uh, as long as it's not, you know, drizzled and looking like a lake, you should be kind of okay. I, I've got a 2008 Silverado that's, uh, you know, sweating horsepower right now on the on the uh, driveway. And it's like, <laughs> eh, it's all right. You know? So you look for fluids, see what they are, check which ones they are, et cetera. Clear liquids are usually power steering or brake, brake fluid. You might have a little bit of the green for the coolant. Then you uh, move to the back of the car. And now I'm like, this is, this is really intense. I would have never thought about this. You smell around where the uh, gas tank is. You even slide under, smell around, kind of look around. Because oh, yeah. the old metal gas tanks, uh, our ethanol is not kind. It's no. really not kind to them. And no. I also didn't realize that you should fill up your gas tank. If you're going to park it for yeah. a while, you fill it up all the way. You know why? Yeah, it keeps fluid. It keeps uh, water from condensating in your gas tank. I did not know that. Apparently, ethanol, which also keeps your gas tank from rusting. Yeah, you got it full. And that's you need holes. to fill it up with uh, a good non-ethanol gas, and make sure you put some kind of fuel stabilizer in there, like Stabil or Seafoam or something else. Yeah, this is another one of those points where I'm like, oh, this is a uh, this is unique. The critter check. I wondered if you were going to bring up squirrels. <laughs> in the cars that I seem to like, squirrels would be able to get in really easy. But um, oh, yeah. Squir- there's squirrels holes. are hanging out. Yeah, they've got homes made for it. You just crawl through the hole there in the uh, bottom of that rear fender. Um, if your garage is kind of known for – if you if you've got mice in there, you're going to want to check for uh, material deposited. Like if they've built a, a nest there on the engine or kind of yeah, look like all around. Yeah, like virus. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, uh, that's the type of stuff that could catch fire. Then, of course, you check your belts and hoses. Shouldn't you know, if, you're, if your hoses are real soft, you probably need to replace them, blah, blah, blah. And then you do. Finally, you're like, okay, I'm ready for the crank over. Cars pass the above checks. Batteries fully charged. All's good. You know, give it a turn uh, and see, you know, basically see what happens. And then it talks about the difference between uh, fuel injected and carbureted cars. They usually carbureted ones usually take a little bit longer. Uh, you may need to refill the float bowls, and yeah. uh, you may even have to spray a little into the cylinders. Uh, float bowl, or yeah, into the cylinders. Short blast to starting fluid in the carb throat can help it get to life. Um, you know, you, the problem is often the uh, the fuel line has become dry rotted and might be sucking air rather than fuel. So if you're having problems cranking and you're just not getting any juice, uh, you got more things. It's it's part of the love of owning, a, you know, an antique. Um, yep. Then there's eyeballs on idle, which I hadn't really thought about this, but once the engine's running, let it idle for about a minute, shut it off. They look under the engine. Any new fluids? <laughs> any, <laughs> any new drips? <laughs> Is it like, oh, I, I, no, I'm not going to say that. Um, then uh, take it twice around the block. Give it a little, uh, give it a little roll, check again, then go on a real test drive and, you know, maybe get it up to highway speed, uh, check all your temperatures, etc. Don't go long distance. Just kind of give it a test, brake pedal, see if the brake, oh, that was also on the short drive too, to be sure to check your brace brake pedal. Is it yeah. pulsing? Is it kind of like a soft and you have to pump it up, etc. These are all little things, and it's all common sense, but the funny thing is is how often if you're so excited to go, oh, God, it's a beautiful day. Yeah, oh, it's running. Time to go. And, you know, yep. this could save you from some heartache of dented fenders uh, and, and sadness. Well, as somebody who's had a car catch fire while they're in it. Oh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and also makes you wish you'd swung by the grocery store for some marshmallows. As somebody who has had a car catch fire and burn while I was in it, checking all of this stuff starts to sound like very rational, reasonable, sane things to do. Of course, when you're 23 and you're a dumb kid and you got a Jeep and you want to go for a spin, you don't check all that crap. You just jump in. Hey, it started up. Everything's cool. Let's go for a drive. Wait a second. Those appear to be flames and smoke. Another, Another hint. If you think your engine's on fire, don't run around to the front and throw the hood up. Oh, God. And give it a whole bunch of new fresh air to breathe. Because oh. a couple things happen. One, that fire that was a little fire is now a raging fire. And two, you won't have to trim your eyebrows again for months. You know, it's one of the saddest things I think I've driven by uh, is a fellow who's, who just, you know, he just got his 56 Ford and it was a resto mod beautiful this was several years ago i mean it the back part of it the back half was so shiny as i drove you, past this you were nightmare. sure the front was once too oh yeah i know the front had to have matched at one time however uh it was his and i found out later after talking to some people it was his first time out with it first time had it all set up you know it's running in the garage took it out hit the road and uh, just smoke the entire front half of it. And it was like, oh, my mm. God, I'm so sorry. I can't imagine the oh, the frustration and the hurt. So um, if you will recall, every time you've been in my Bronco, 63 Impala, 61 Impala, Corvette, each of those had a fire extinguisher sitting on the passenger side. Yes, they did. The I remember that was uh, that was my and, co-pilot. And there was a good reason for that. And it's because I've, you know, singed my eyebrows and arm hair back with a 76 Jeep. Been there, burnt uh, that. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, if you ever see a Corvette burn, remember, oh. folks, fiberglass is a petroleum product. Oh, oh. <laughs> Corvettes burn like old Christmas trees. <laughs> God, that gives me the sad eyes. That's. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of my big fears, especially being a long-term Corvette owner. Please, 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 God, don't ever let this thing catch fire. <laughs> so. uh, there you go. Well, uh, Ford now has a way to upgrade your Mustang to bullet Mustang performance levels for not quite bullet money. Uh, the, the S550 Mustang GT got a cheap upgrade from Ford Performance. They get 19 additional horsepower and 42 pound-feet of torque, which is a market improvement. And it gets you up to Mustang GT bullet levels, but it's cheap. They did it cheap. Well, the- this, It's listed as the uh, cold air kit with calibration. It's a new option from Ford Performance. And it's for the uh, standard 2018 to 2020 S550 Mustang GTs. Nice. And uh, brings totals up to 479 horsepower. Man, that is nothing to sneeze at. No. And 442 pound-feet of torque. Uh, and like I said, brings it up to bullet Mustang levels. But the MSRP on a bullet Mustang is $10,000 more than a standard Mustang GT. This package, $1,275. Wait, $1,200? $1,275. Oh, my God. Under $1,300, you can make your GT run like a a bullet Mustang. And, uh, man, that's that's bargain horse. You know, that's down in my neighborhood. Y'all are shopping at my part of the woods. Yeah, no kidding. 
Uh, in order to get that extra power inside that five liter Coyote engine, uh, it, it's a you have to have the cold air kit with calibration. It includes a cold air induction system, new 87 millimeter throttle body, an adapter plate, and uh, you know they reflash, uh, they recalibrate everything right. on the uh, on the chip. Uh, package can be installed at any Ford dealer. And when installed, it will not void any factory warranties. It is 50 state legal and doesn't require, and it does require 91 octane, but that's available about everywhere. And you're, if you had a G- Mustang GT, you were probably running that anyway. And you know, it's 91 octane of today's gas. So you're not having yeah. to go find gas, gas. You get, you get yeah, yeah, yeah. Ethamine. No, it's, it's this fantabulous ethanol. Oh, <laughs> I have a, I have a, I have a hate, hate relationship with ethanol gas. (laughs) You know, when I read about the, uh, some of the ethanol places, because they're, we're not driving, so they're they're not able to make ethanol. They've been laying off people too. However, the people Mm -hmm. that they keep working, there's a lot of ethanol places that are making, uh, hand sanitizer ethanol. Good. Like that, that is where it's needed. There you go. That's a great thing. Yeah. And, uh, I have a gas station not too far from my house that has 93 ethanol free. Wow. That's where I fill up everything. Howdy doody. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> well, speaking of ethanol, you can actually, from uh, this next story that you got uh, off of what, hotrod.com, perhaps oh, ethanol man. can I still get you even, to scoot your boot. I can't even imagine what this guy was thinking. And I, I say guy because girls aren't this dumb. No, I don't think they are. <laughs> uh, we, we have a, a new ticket of the week winner. Uh, and it, this comes to us from hot rod. Oh man. I'm, I'm so glad I wasn't even riding shotgun in this deal, but I would have liked to have seen it happen. <laughs> 180 miles per hour on a Michigan freeway gets caught by the cops in a 70 mile an hour zone. Oh. He was a buck 10 oh. over. That's he wasn't good. doing a buck 10. He was 110 over. That's going to leave a mark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if it looks like a state trooper's boot heel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as, as reported in Hot Rod, the driver was clocked by a stationary Michigan State Police Patrol traveling 180 miles oh per hour on I-75 God. in Monroe County, Michigan, which is uh, south of Detroit near Toledo, Ohio. Uh on April nineteenth. Now that's going to be some kind oh. of damn hot rod. I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah. You know, you know, I got well, a friend you, who you lives. Think... I got a friend who lives in Dallas who has a McLaren, and yeah. I, I, he, that's right around his range. So it had to have been some like you know super well, you'd, killer you'd car, think right? McLaren, Ferrari, Porsche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, even the new Corvettes or some of the seventh gen Corvettes. Nope, Dodge. What? Dodge. Yes, Mofar, baby. I knew you'd be thrilled by that. <laughs> you damn right. Dodge. I didn't specify if it was a Charger or a Challenger, but it had to be one of them, and it had to be what a Hellcat because nothing else they make gets there. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, did to, you say 2016? 2016. So it's Dodge, not even brand new. Dodge. It's a four-year-old Dodge. It's a, no, used, it's a used car. It's a used Dodge. It's a used car. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a used Mopar. Somebody decided they'd go out and just see what they could do, what they could get away with. And uh, what they got away with is not much. Um, <laughs> the It had to be a Hellcat. It had to be an SRT Hellcat, either a Charger or a Challenger, 
because the Hemi Charger and Challengers top out at a buck seventy-five. Oh wow! So if it was an all factory car, it had to be a Hellcat or something that somebody built. Yeah. Uh, but they said that the Dodge was on a slight downhill on a public road. Public. Oh my good lord. <sighs> Oh my good lord! And I've gone fast on a lot of stuff, and I've done a lot of dumb stuff. That's part of why when we do interviews on the other show, one of my favorite questions is, "What's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car?" I think I'm this always guy looking wins. for somebody who's done something dumber than the crap I've done. You found one. <laughs> well, I kind—I kind of need to be convinced that I'm not the stupidest guy out there. It's—it's it's what serves my ego. <laughs> this guy's got me smoked, man. I've never done a buck eighty in a car. I've never done a buck eighty on a bike. That is unbelievable. That is insane. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, I would assume that Michigan traffic laws are similar to what we've got in Kansas and Missouri. And in Kansas and Missouri, if you're more than 25 over, they have to take you to appear before a magistrate immediately. <laughs> well, this guy's going to have to appear you, before they God. They have to you in. <laughs> so I, this I is judgment day here. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine the fine this idiot's going to have to pay. It's going to look like a mortgage. <laughs> Um, so just remember folks, just cause the roads are empty and there aren't that many people out there doesn't mean you get to do whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah. The police are still watching and they will still nail your butt. Use a little discretion and yeah. don't go a hundred. Yeah, please, dummy. please. <laughs> but <Yeah>. still dang. <laughs> 2016 well, Dodge. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I assume they called him in down the road and they didn't chase him down. Cause yeah. Yeah. Doing a bucket, you think? Yeah. <laughs> you need a rocket sled to catch you. <laughs> so uh, you can find these stories and links to all of them uh, on our blog at roadmuscleradio.com. Coming up in segment two, we're going to talk to the owner of the first Mustang ever sold. First Mustang ever sold. What makes it crazy is it's a one owner car. Gail Wise and her husband Tom are going to join us next right here on Road Muscle Radio. We're back with Road Muscle Radio. You can find us on the web at roadmuscleradio.com, on Twitter at Road Muscle Radio, and on Facebook, guess where? At Road Muscle Radio. Now, if you know somebody we should talk to, somebody's got a cool story about a car, maybe something they've drug out of a field and redone, or something that's you know been passed down through generations, which kind of leads us into what we're about to talk about, uh, you can email us at driver at roadmuscleradio.com. We would love to get a chance to talk to him and maybe uh, pull out a story and share it with everybody. Now, speaking of stories, Gail Wise of Park Ridge, Illinois, is the first buyer of a Ford Mustang. The first buyer of a Ford Mustang ever. She bought it on April 15th, 1964, and I believe it was off the showroom floor. She may correct me, but I believe it was off the showroom floor, floor when she was 22 years old. Well, make, you know, okay, yeah. And there were a number of 22-year-olds who bought Mustangs, but what makes the story so amazing is that Gail still owns the car. She still owns the car today. It is a one-owner-owner, 1964, what did they say, 1964 and a half is what uh, I guess the term, uh, uh, Mustang, and it, it's, it's a Mustang convertible, and with her husband's terrific help, Tom, this car is running 
a running, driving piece of history. Gail and Tom Wise, welcome to Road Muscle Radio. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. Looking at this, Gail, uh, you bought the first Mustang ever sold to the public. Now, before in, we even get in to, the U.S. In, in the, the U.S. USA. There we go. In the U.S.A. Now, that's the difference. What was the first car you ever owned? Period, though. So you're 22. You've you've gone up to the floor and you've picked out this beautiful Mustang and bought it. What well, what was the first one you ever owned, though? I never owned that car. I <gasps> used to drive my father's car and my mother's car. Yes, I would take turns on either one. Yes, yeah, so this was my very first car that I would own. Yes, this is crazy sauce. So <laughs> the first car you ever bought to own yourself was the first Mustang ever sold in the United States. Wow, yeah. you must be awesome at bingo. I can't even imagine. <laughs> And by the way, when we're done with this interview, I, I want the winning lottery numbers because you seem good. Um, no. <laughs> how did you know? I that- know it's like 56 years ago I bought a car and we're still talking about it. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? That ain't half bad. Oh. You know what? I bought a car in 1980 and I'm still whining about it. You at least are talking about yours. Um, how did you know that you wanted a Mustang instead of, you know, maybe a Falcon or a Galaxy or even a Grand Prix? Because there were a lot of cool cars that were out in 1964. What, what to, what options did you choose and why were you drawn to it? I didn't go to buy a Mustang. I had just graduated from Chicago Teachers College and needed transportation to get to my new job in the suburbs. So mom, dad, and I went looking for a new car for me. And I knew I wanted a convertible because my dad had Ford convertibles. He had a 49 and a 57 Ford convertible that I was used to driving and being in. So I just thought I deserved a convertible, too. It was, was my goal. <laughs> it's family and tradition. So when, we went to Johnson Ford on Cicero Avenue in Chicago, and I told the salesman that I wanted a convertible. And he said, oh, I have none on the floor, but come in the back room with me. I have something special to show you. And in the back room under the tarp was this skylight blue Mustang convertible. And I went, whoa, that was for me. <laughs> it was sporty. <laughs> it had the bucket seats. It went zoom, zoom. And it had the transmission on the floor. And uh, I was all excited about it. And uh, there were there was another Mustang covered up, but it was a hard top. So I wouldn't be interested in that, you know. But I told the salesman, oh, I would love to buy this car. And he said, oh, I'm really not supposed to sell it tonight because they were going to unveil the Mustang at the New York World's Fair on Friday, April 17th, 1964. And this was two days before, April 15th, 1964. And uh, But he did sell it to me that night for $3,447.50. Now, that wasn't a small sum at the time. That's a Pardon me? that wasn't exactly a small sum at the time either. I'm sure that was kind of, you know, you kind of digging into the pockets and making it happen. Oh yes, well, I had mom and dad with me, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was another lucky thing I had. They approved also, and so they would loan me the money for it. But my beginning teacher salary was like five thousand dollars. So yes, the thirty almost thirty five hundred dollars was a lot of money for sure. That's but pretty it, amazing. Um, well, you it know, had all the bells and whistles for the time. Okay, so do <laughs> do tell, do tell. I want to. I want to. You talked about the shifter is on the floor. Uh, now, I, there are places where you can read what all's in this, but I I wanted to hear it from you. Are we talking a shift or are we talking automatic? Uh, was it standard? automatic? Oh, there <laughs> automatic. you go. I, yes, I wasn't interested in. I'm, I'm, I, 
maybe I would have bought if it wasn't automatic, but I and I knew how to do shifting, but <laughs> this one came with an automatic, yes, on the floor. Well, that was something different, too. I never had that before. It made it easier to hold the highball in one hand while you're driving with the other. You know, 1964. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and a young, lovely 22-year-old teacher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, life is good <laughs> in our convertible. Oh. Well, the... Um, <laughs> What were some of the other options? What what kind of engine did it have in it? Was this the uh, the six or did you get the eight? It was the eight cylinder, and at that time it was uh, two hundred and sixty cubic inch V eight. It had a two barrel carburetor, and uh, it was rated at one hundred sixty four horsepower, which, by the way, was not a hot rod at that time. <laughs> no, or at any time. <laughs> but, but it was a V eight, yes. Nice, nice. So it still had a, it had some rumble, and oh, uh, it did, it did. The engine was adequate for sure. Yeah. You drove this for how long? <laughs> Two days before it was unveiled at the New York World's Fair by Ford. Wow. But I, um, it was like nobody had seen the Mustang. There was advertisement on TV back then that showed the logo and said the Mustang was coming, and and uh, it was April. New cars always came out in the end of September, so this was another good marketing technique. So people knew about this new car coming out. So when I drove it out of the showroom, everybody was waving at me and giving me high fives and asking me to slow down so they could look at this car. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I felt like a movie star, but it wasn't me. It was the car because the, the, even the police squad would flag me forward so he could drive alongside and check out the car, too. So it, it was pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. You're in a brand new one. It's not even been seen by other people, and now suddenly you're in it two days beforehand. And you, you're, this, is your, this is your work car. Yes. Yes. My work car to school. Yes. When I drove it to school the next day, all these 7th and 8th grade boys were, you know, checking it out. They were all excited to see it. So... When the car was in the parking lot, it was a big scene, so to say. You know, everybody was checking it out. It was a, it was pretty exciting. Was okay, exciting. Tom, were you guys together at the time? Oh, yeah. I keep telling everybody about the two-year uh, thing here. Uh, we met in 1960. I went in the service in 1962. She bought the car in 64, and we married in 66. So oh, yeah, two, 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 and two. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> what did you think of the vehicle when she came pulling up in that thing? Oh, I was in the service. Oh. I was not at home. Oh, so you had to see it by a picture. <laughs> did you show it off to all your buddies in the service and say, hey, check this out. Not only is well, she you know, pretty and blonde, but look at the car. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I had buddies in the service that, that did similar things. You know, not, not two days before the sales, but uh, <laughs> quite a few of them bought Mustangs. Oh, sure. Yeah, he was out to sea when I bought the car, so I sent him a family gram and let him know that I bought a Mustang, and he didn't know what a Mustang was either till he got off the ship, and you could see him in the parking lot. You know, the sailors had bought him, so that uh, you know, that was a little while later. That's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around. Uh, you send this picture, and he hadn't seen a Mustang before. So I bought this new car that you've never seen, and... Uh, <laughs> And check it out. And, and thinking about it now, I'm like, Mustang is just part of life. You you, yeah. you eat, oh, yeah. you breathe, you pay taxes, and there's Mustangs. <laughs> yeah. yep. Yes, yes. Ford had distributed two Mustangs to each of its dealerships prior to the unveiling in New York City. 
So a lot of these dealerships had the Mustang so people could see it. When, and that was, you know, that, that was the limit. It wasn't like everybody could just walk in and buy one right away either. So it, uh, it was an exciting time. It was the big hit, big hit. It makes me kind of um, curious Brad, about that salesperson, too, because Brad and I, I was a car salesman for a month and five days, and uh, <laughs> it was quite the learning experience, let me tell you. And Brad uh, has done it longer. And I, I keep thinking, in that salesperson's mind, he's a lovely young lady and her mom and dad walk in, and her eyes light up when she sees that. And he sold it to you two days before he was supposed to. So did he get like full list price or two days later, about a month later, did he go, oh, my God, if I just hung on to it, I could have charged 2000 more than that. So <laughs> Probably could have made some big dollars on it, yeah. I have heard stories where some of these dealerships covered up the windows with paper so nobody could look into the showroom till Friday <laughs> when, when it was going to be unveiled. So, yeah, so it it was a different time for sure. <laughs> One thing about this sale, we've heard uh, after the fact, so to speak, that if the Ford Motor Company found out that he sold a car two days before we, he was supposed to, he could have lost his dealership. <gasps> but the other thing is, is that uh, the owner of Johnson Ford commented that he is in the business of selling cars. And if somebody wants to buy a car, he's going to sell it. So Nice. That, that's all ancient history now, but that, that's the story. I really don't know. I was just in the right place at the right time. That's all I can tell you. You know I, what? And I they had the right why. car and the right color with the right top. I mean, everything was working together on that. Yes, it was. Yes, yes. We drove the car for 15 years, and then we bought a station wagon for me, and then Tom used the Mustang for a daily drive for work. And he comes home one day and he says, there's something wrong with that car. And he pushed it in the garage and he said, I'll fix it next week. And sat there for 27 years. <laughs> now, honey, I told you I was going to get it fixed. You don't have to nag me every six months. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. I did complain. I said, why don't you fix that or sell it or just, you know, get it out of here. We need the room for the children's things. And he said, oh, no, that's my retirement project. And, um. He put an addition onto our two-car garage, so we now have a three-car garage, so the pony has its own spot, so to say. And when he did that, I knew he was serious about keeping the Mustang. <laughs> well, when I would complain, he would say, that's my retirement project. And so when he retired, he said, let's see what we can do with this car. And uh, he can tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> uh, reading through one of the interviews that while that was sitting in your garage, uh, waiting, waiting for Tom's personal time to come yes. with, the, uh, with the pony, you kept it in like pristine museum quality condition, right? You kept everything off of it, never touched it. Nobody could put anything on it, right? Yeah, right. right. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> there, there, were, there were times I couldn't even see the car. There was piles of uh, two by fours and lawn chairs and barbecue parts. It's all covered on top of it, so yeah, could barely see it. <laughs> That's having a real car in a real garage. That's what you call a barn find today. <laughs> We're talking with Gail and Tom Wise out of Illinois. They're Mustang owners, but not just any Mustang. The very first Mustang sold to the public in the United States ever. And what makes it over even more amazing, Gail's the person who bought it first. It's a one owner, 1964 convertible gail had some help getting the baby back in the road which tom you this is a this is your part of the story now uh when did you decide to really d 
double down? I mean, what was the year and what made you decide to hang on to that instead of going, you know what? There's so many other project cars out there. Uh, what made you fall in love with that one so hard? Well, this one was uh, still in the family. Uh, it was buried for a while, but uh, nobody ever came in there and took uh, parts off of it. So the car was complete. Uh, it needed a restoration, obviously, but it was all there. Late 2005, uh, we decided to either sell the car or restore it. So we made a decision to restore it, and here we, here's where we are today. What was wrong with it? Why did, uh, why did you have to pull it into the garage You know, that many years earlier when you were driving home from work that one day? I had some minor problems with the carburetor linkage. You know, I, I'd step on the gas pedal, and it wouldn't do anything. So I pushed it in the garage, and I, it, really it was a, a minor problem. But, uh, you know, I, I had other things to do in life, and it just sat. So, uh. <laughs> Hey, Tom, if you won't tell my wife, I do that all the time, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this COVID-19, it's been my, my honeydew time because uh, <laughs> I have caught up on a few projects, air quotes. You put it together. This was before any and all of this. How did you suddenly find out as you've restored this car and realized we bought the first one? Well, a after the restoration process uh, uh, in late 2007, early 2008, I was looking on the internet for uh, Mustang stories, and I ran across this uh, story about a Mustang that the claim was that this was the first one that was sold to the public. In fact, he was in Illinois. So I went over to see this person, and uh, the, the date of the sale was April 16th. So I told my wife, I said, look at the, all the papers that we have and see if ours is, you know, earlier or later than that. And sure enough, ours was one day prior to that. So we sort of beat him out. You and, still uh, had all of this, the original sales receipts. You had all of oh, the yeah. papers on it. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Gail's yeah. father gave me all the receipts, even the, even the handwritten ones. And, uh, oh my gosh. I, I, I'm I'm not a person who throws away anything, so <laughs> we kept all of the papers. And uh, uh, after 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 that episode with this guy in Illinois, we were invited to uh, Dearborn, Michigan, to the Mustang show. And after, after the the publicity sort of hit, then uh, Ford agreed that the Ford Motor Company agreed that yeah, this is the first one that uh, was sold wow. by the Ford Motor Company. So wow. Here we are. With this car all uh, all redone now, beautiful, it's running. I guess the carburetor's working now, finally, Tom. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, everything's <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Everything's perfect. running good. Yeah. Looks uh, like it came out of the showroom now, yes. Oh, nice. When the original price was $3,447.50, how much, how much is it currently worth? Priceless. Oh, it's got to be priceless. <laughs> we went to, uh, we were invited to Dearborn, Michigan for the 10 millionth Mustang coming off the line. Uh -huh. And uh, at the at the show, we met a lot of people and, and interviewers. And one uh, reporter, Phoebe, wrote a story and, about us. And she talked to Haggerty Insurance. Who insures our car now? And he said the car could be worth as much as two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And oh uh, once he said that, uh, <laughs> my picture was all over the newspapers. Like, look what you can do <laughs> when you invest <laughs> smartly. You know, <laughs> three thousand. Did you adjust your insurance upward? <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> 
Oh dear. So, but we really don't know what its value is. But that was um, pretty impressive. We I were would, surprised. Yes. I would even think honestly that it's north of that. We talked. Uh, Brett and I talked to the owner of that Bullet Mustang. Uh, the original one yeah. from the movie, and when yeah. when he walked away from auction, uh, and we we talked to him, what was it about two was it two weeks beforehand, Brett? Uh, yeah, before it, it was it was right around the first of January, and they sold the car, I think, around the twelfth or fourteenth for three point five mil, three point yep. three point yeah. four, yeah, three point yep. four million, yes. not a bad yes. deal. So I would think the the first Mustang, how many miles are on it? See, I'm going to try to work you down to about $4,000, then I'll give you cash. I will flat out cash. I'll walk it up there if I have to. <laughs> How many miles are on it? There's 68,000 miles on the car. Because wow. we didn't drive it far and it sat in the garage for yeah. 27 years. Sat in the garage for a lot of years, so there's not a lot of miles. So yes. that, that's yes. the secret. Drive it for a while and then put your kid's stuff on top of it for 27 years. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm in. I, I can do that. <laughs> now, oh, speak- and you have to buy the right car. You have to buy the right car. <laughs> what are your future plans for the car? Well, we'd like to see it go on the auction block the same way that uh, that Bullet Mustang went on the auction block. So, yeah, who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah. Either that or somebody with some deep pockets that says, I got to have that car. So We're not getting any yeah. younger. That's yeah. our problem that, that, right that's now. That's another thing, yeah. <laughs> so the plan is to eventually let go of the vehicle. And uh, and let it go on to somebody else who will love it as much, and then you're going to take that eight year cruise in. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh good. yeah. <laughs> you're going to buy I mean, Li- Lithuania and just settle down. All right. Honestly, as I'm looking at the pictures here, this belongs in a museum. This really should go to a, a terrific collection someplace, or should be in the Peterson. It's a stunning car, and it's the very first one released to the public. Um, Man, and and congratulations! Very nice restoration. I'm looking at pictures of the car, and it looks fantastic. So oh, good, thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah, we we Tom. think it's uh, yeah. pretty special. Yeah, it's uh, it was done right, and uh, it's all stock. It's uh, I I didn't do any modifications or alterations on it, so it's it's just the way it came from the factory. Uh, it's beautiful, and you've done a remarkable job with it. And what a great story! What a cool story! That you still got the very first one. How very cool. I know. It is pretty amazing. I know. I, 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 yes. We've had a good time showing it. And when we go to car shows and I start to tell the story, and some of the people already know it, and they're so excited to meet me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the other ones that don't know it, they're so excited to hear the story about the Mustang and me. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a, a good time. We've had a good time. Met a lot of nice people. My last question, because I'm nosy. Uh, if you if you do end up selling it, you get a pretty good penny. Are you going to get another car? And if so, what kind? What are you going to get? <laughs> well, I, I would have to go after the hot rod version this time. Oh. I, I need something with a with a, a big motor that can spin the back wheels. <laughs> yeah. Ford let us use a Mustang what, two years ago when we were at yeah, a show. Ford, Ford let us use one of the GTs for the weekend and. Uh, I'm in. I'm pretty sure about any Ford dealer in the world would make them any trade they wanted. Oh my God. Can you imagine the trade in value on that? Yeah. And I'll have three of these and a couple of those. And I want yeah. the new Bronco. And-, and how about 200 in cash? There we go. We're good. <laughs> Let her roll. 
Well, oh, dear. It has been such a pleasure to talk to both of you. Uh, you know, so many of us wish we'd hung on to that car from our youth. I know I do. And mine was a big pig of a car, and I loved it. And it's it's really, I don't know, Brad, is it like satisfying? There's some part of you that's like, ah, yeah, hearing about somebody that was able to hang on to the car, their first one that they loved. It, it is. And the other thing is, uh, you know, I've had... I've had that Corvette since I was 18 wow. and it's a part of you. It's a part of, of, you know, there's so many experiences in it and uh, yeah. Gail knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's been a part of so much of the cool stuff you've done. And every time you get in it, all that comes rushing back. So yeah, it's, there's, there's something to be said for hanging on to them. Gail and Tom, we really appreciate you sharing your story and having a chat with us. Really, really appreciate your coming on today on Road Muscle Radio. Oh, you're well, welcome. Th- yeah, thanks for the invitation, and uh, we enjoyed talking to you guys. It was fun. Yes, yes. Well, they're just a pleasure. Yeah, uh, what a nice couple. <laughs> and just fun. Fun and still loving it. You know, 22, bought the car at 22. Not only do they still have the car, they still have the wedding rings. They're still married. I mean, how fantastic is that? How do you do that? Well, ask them. Gail and Tom know. We really appreciate them joining the show. And we appreciate you for sharing your time with us as we yak about grease, gears, and cool car stuff. Uh, There's nothing like going on a fun ride, especially when you've got a a great buddy to share it with. So be sure to visit us on Facebook at Road Muscle Radio and RoadMuscleRadio.com and on Twitter. I'm Catfish. And I'm Brett. We will catch you down the road on Road Muscle Radio.